Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, good afternoon, Scott. Welcome back to the wind down. Good afternoon, Nick. How have you been? I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm good as as always. I'm, I'm very delighted to be in a pub. Um, yes. So, where are we? What are we drinking? So, interestingly enough, we, we've actually come back to the uh, the DY Hotel. It was uh, it's close and it's uh, easy to get to. Um, in this case, we uh, we're drinking something a bit different this week. Now, when we started this, we said we would always drink something from the country that we are in, thinking that at some point in time we're going to end up in various countries doing whatever. Um, given the current situation, that's probably unlikely to happen in a hurry. So um, we've broken our rule today. We've actually gone for something from Argentina. It's a Malbec. Wow. So I did, I did well, Scott and I were talking about the rule before, before we, we, we started doing this. And it didn't, it took like a femtosecond when I said, well, we're not going to be traveling there for Scott to go, I'm getting a mailbag and rush off and, and, and come back bearing gifts of great redness. Yes, look, the, the Melbeck's uh, not a great. We've historically done a lot within Australia, although there are some um, there are some growers now, more well, Margaret River based, from what I remember. Um, but the um, the Melbeck, it's a it's a heavier red. It's a really solid sort of dark purple color. Um, it's got a really strong sort of flavor to it. It's a it's a beautiful drop in general. Um, even the, the the basic Melbecks are actually quite good. So it's a meal and a drink. You said exactly. This this is a meal. Um, you, you, if you had two bottles, I guess you'd overfeed. Um, you can, um, you can do a lot with this. It's, uh, it goes with just about anything and, um, they're becoming more and more, um, easier to find. A little bit of sulfate in it, but nothing too bad. Yeah. Excellent. So nice, nice, yummy wine. And today we're talking about the dark web. We are indeed. Oh, sounds frightening, Scott. (laughs) should, Should I be scared? Oh, no, we can, we can shine a light in the dark web. We'll fix it up. Don't worry. God, I love that. What an awful, awful pun that was. Um, today, today we're going to talk about the dark web. So what is what is the dark web? I know what it is, but you explain it to me and then I'll, I'll tell you where you got it right. Oh, I was hoping you were going to explain it to me. Uh, okay, so let, let's have a look. So there's the standard internet. You go on the internet, you search for something like banana. And look, uh, Google comes up and says, look, here's a banana tree. Here's a picture of a banana. Here's all bananas in pajamas and all sorts of th- stuff like that. that. That's all very good. That's the common public internet. That's where everything is publicly available, it's searchable, and your data, when you put it up there, generally um, on, on websites, you can tend to find out what, what's going on. Um, the dark web is another part of the internet that's less easily accessible, i.e. you can't search it on Google. No, the, the, the content in the dark web is, is not searchable, um, it's encrypted, uh, it is difficult to find out how to find things there because... It's not something you just go to a search engine for. You really have to know that it's there. Um, and this, this maintains um, a level of um, anonymity and also a level of privacy. Now, while those can be good things, the majority of the dark web tends to be more associated with criminal activities. Oh, yum. That, that doesn't sound so good. But it's it's really... I mean, it's not purely criminal, right? It's, oh, no. It's, it's a place to... Be secret on the internet. It, it, it is, but because of its attributes, it does 
mean that there is a lot of criminal activity, white-collar criminal activity happening in there. Um, previously, when you've had all the various uh, types of crimes that could be out there, uh, they were not internet-based, and this is a way to put them on the internet and away from prying eyes. So you'd have um, some fairly nasty sort of things up there where you can buy and sell just about anything in the world, whether it's legal or not. And, and I do that with cryptocurrency, right? Because cryptocurrency means they can't trace who I am, although that's a whole moot question we could spend hours but, talking about. Yes, that, that is definitely for another, uh, for another topic. But uh, cryptocurrency is, there is a lot of Bitcoin floating around the dark web as a way of um, performing transactions. Uh, let's say you wanted to buy some drugs or you wanted to buy some illegal items. You could quite happily go to a, a store on the dark web that, that you, were, you happened to know about and you could transact that thing there in Bitcoin and magically the item would turn up. Cool, but you still can't search it, so you need to know where it is, or you need to found a list where things are. It, it, right? That's right, and it's it. The whole idea is that it is encrypted, and whenever you're doing things there, you generally cannot be tracked. Uh, so it's a it's a, a great place for um, also things like botnets and hacking and fraud to happen. But but things have still got IP addresses, right? It's still internet protocols. So they, they they do, but you're not necessarily connecting directly there. So there's uh, one example is there's a browser called Tor, and this Tor browser maintains an encrypted connection into let's just say that the Tor network, which is a bunch of computers running the Tor protocol. In fact, I can talk about Tor because oh, my network at home runs out through Tor. So the way Tor works is it's called the Onion Router. And so as I take my data I want to send to someone, each time it goes through one of these servers that people set up because we all like to share things, it adds a layer of encryption. And so if I was to be in the middle of that network and look at the data from you, I might be able to strip up one or two levels of encryption, mm. but I can't get back to your data. But it, it really nicely, like an onion, wraps your data which comes out in the end. So your recipient doesn't know where you came from, doesn't know who you are, but you can actually communicate with them. That's correct. And your method of getting to the other end can be different every time because you may exit a different part of the Tor network. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can download that though. You can Google Tor yes. and go get it and off you go. And, and you can actually use it as a standard browser as well. It doesn't track you. It's very privacy focused. It's uh, run by a non-profit organization. It's very legal. There's nothing wrong with the, the Tor browser at all. It's, it's, it's a great, uh, great tool. So people like WikiLeaks and those guys, they use the dark web to trade in information, right? That's just it. You can buy information there. You could buy all sorts of things there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's sounding like a kind of funky, kind of global bazaar of strangeness and illegal stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think you'll find if you've created an environment where there's a lot of privacy, there's a lot of encryption, people are not tracking what you're doing, um, and you can, you can do it from anywhere in the world and exist in this bubble where you're paid with Bitcoin and you can sell whatever you'd like, be it legal or not, in whatever country you're doing, um, that's just sort of bound to create a certain type of environment that will draw the nefarious parts of the world to it. Okay, so I want to make sure my kids aren't going there. Well, th then you need a firewall. Yeah. Now, maybe that's a different topic. That's a probably a different topic, a different topic. But um, um, the ordinary person wouldn't end up 
in the Look, dark the, web. Right? The, in general, no. The, the ordinary person wouldn't find it, uh, wouldn't come across it in Google. They generally wouldn't be using a Tor browser to start with and so forth. And the, the sort of things you may see on some of the TV shows where, look, here's this crime, someone's stolen this painting and they're auctioning it off on the dark web and it, it, it makes good TV and that sort of thing. But it, it's not far off from what's actually happening. It's, it's a little bit, um, because it's a little bit unknown as to what actually goes on there, they can tend to stretch that out a bit in the Hollywood sense of the word. A um, bit better than they used to with the IT sort of things in the past, where you look at some of that and go, really? Who thought of that? Who was advising them? Anyway. Yes, absolutely. So so I can get data on the dark web. Um, I know some examples of that data are usernames, passwords, credit cards, and personal information, right? This yes. is where when organizations have been hacked, you go, well, someone's hacked it. What happens to the data? It ends up there. That's right. So let's have a look at a couple of examples of that. Um, a, a number of years ago, or one, one and a half, two years ago, Facebook was hacked. 50 million user accounts were extracted, and those accounts, the user IDs, the passwords, and so forth, uh, were obtained. Now, the passwords may have been encrypted, but that's just a matter of time before they're actually decrypted and you find out what they are. So the, the problem here is that Let's say you've got a work email address and you're, you're at work and you work at ABC or whatever it's going to be and you're, you've got an abc.com um, email address. You then go and use that, not just for your internal work account, but you actually use that on Facebook or on some other sites on the internet to do personal things. And you use the same password that you do at work because it's just easier to remember that way. So what happens is your work environment may be perfectly secure you may have put in firewalls, you may have put in all these other levels of protection that means you're pretty safe, but you're only as safe as whatever site that user ID and password has been used on. So when these other sites are hacked and these user IDs and passwords become available, someone can go through and say, well, these are all corporate email addresses in here. Let's go and try these passwords out on their gateways and see if we can get in. Wow. So, so what you're telling me, and let me try and paraphrase that, is if I've used my work account to access another service and that service gets hacked, then someone could theoretically have my work account and whatever password I use there. And commonly, I'm pretty lazy, so I'm going to use the same password in both places. And, you know, okay, it could be work and Facebook, but it could be Facebook and um, uh, Ashley Madison, or it could be yes, you know, anything like that which could get me in trouble. That's just it. So we actually um, we have a service where we actually monitor all the content and all these databases of user IDs and, and passwords that are for sale on the dark web and we track how many new sources of information contain addresses uh, or information about customers and clients that we have. So, so you can give me a report for my yes. business which shows me each of the accounts that are available for sale on the dark web. Yes. And what data is held on them. Yes. And what passwords they've got. Yes. That's scary, isn't it? I can tell you some of your passwords, yes. And the, the, the trick here is, look, if you go and change your passwords, that's good. That's the first stage. But you really need to be using something like multi-factor authentication, where it's not just your user ID and your password that lets you into a site. It's something else. In this case, a, a token or a number that's generated on a phone or on a device. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit. If yep. we can. So you're saying... Because of what's on the dark web and because of people's inability to remember 180 different passwords for different services, and certainly I'll put my hand up, I can't do that, that the username and password combination is no longer can be considered secure. That's right. 
so you need something else. Now, I've I've heard the term something you have, something you are, and something you know, and those are the factors, right? Yes, and this is the whole idea about having multiple levels of security to be able to protect a resource. So, so something I know is my username and password. That's one factor. Yeah, and that's insecure. Well, what one factor would be your username? Okay. Okay, so then I've got my it, password. It, it may be easily guessable, but it is one factor. Okay, so then I've got my password. Yes. Which is all on the dark web for anybody to see. Yes. But then if I've got one of those apps on my phone or I get a text message, that's another factor. That, that's right. So that's going to be pretty hard to hack unless you've got my password to my phone account. and can. Ooh. I now know why we shouldn't use lots of passwords everywhere. Right. So, and then, well, this is the whole thing. And this is where uh, multi-factor authentication tools come in. Um, the SMS approach is no longer considered safe. Um, it is just too easy to clone a SIM. Uh, now, this is not going to be the average sort of thing where somebody at a university overseas somewhere, a student just sits down, downloads some hacking tools and tries to break in and gets into your account. They wouldn't have access to your SIM card, clearly. But... In more targeted approaches, if you know that, hey, there's someone I know that's got a lot of Bitcoins in their wallet, in their Bitcoin wallet, I'm going to go and clone their SIM card, however I get that, and therefore try to log in as them using this user ID and password I've been able to find, knowing that the SMS is going to be sent to this dummy phone I've got that's got their SIM card in it, great, I'm in. Yeah, no, good point. But that, that has happened. It, it has. But coming back to that, if I want to be alerted, there's a service that tribetech run at tribetech.com.au you can sign up for there it's which gives you a report on we, that on a regular basis we, that's cool is there any way i can just go check there, there is there's a few sites around now that do this at a very general level there's the um have i been pwned site or have i been pwned which is the how the term goes yeah, nobody knows how to pronounce that do they no and that's that's okay we can we can all be confused but you can certainly go in there at an individual level and put in your details and it'll come up and tell you what's there um, there are some more detailed versions of that type of service around that'll actually give you access to the passwords that are available and stored, that'll actually tell you are they encrypted, are they not, what personally identifiable information is available. Um, and that PII, such as names, addresses, uh, date of birth, um, in the US they use social security numbers a lot, um, can be used by someone to go and get, for example, open a credit card or open another bank account. Okay, so let, let, I'm going to use an example of something that happened to me. Um, I a while ago now I was in Circular Key and it just started raining and I went in so if nobody knows Circular Key is kind of almost one of the touristy areas in Sydney and I, it was just where I was near a meeting and I went into one of those dodgy shops near Circular Key and I bought an umbrella and I tapped my card and I walked out and for some reason I suddenly got a text from my bank that said it was from my bank and said you've just made a transaction we don't trust do you want to log in and confirm the transaction and I went yeah absolutely I want to log in just bought an umbrella so I went log in and I typed in my internet banking details and it went your password's wrong I went it's really strange I really know that password and I typed it again and that's when it hit me <laughs> that someone was actually doing a targeted attack at me and there's there's things like that there's that's 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 a phishing attack I believe yes whaling attacks too do you want to talk us through some of those so it's not just Facebook getting hacked it's me being a stupid idiot as well right yeah, look, and we're going to cover phishing in a lot more detail in a future episode. But just in general, phishing is where someone tries to get your credentials off you or uses those credentials that they may already have in order to get you to do something that you think is actually a good thing to do. Right. So I'm, I'm an IT guy. I'm pretty immune 
to these oh, that one got me but i found my bank and i changed my because i did realize it was a problem right so yes that was a bit protected so that's cool it, and but but you know in my business i've got everybody from you know it pros to you know guys who work on the factory floor how do i make sure that they're not going to respond badly to these attacks and, and, and this is it you've, you've got to be a little bit careful i mean i i, I had my uh, my mother who's now in a nursing home and she uh, she rang me one day and said this lovely person from india rang me and asked me for my credit card details so of course i told them I said why, why did you do this said, well they asked me very nicely I said, but okay so we only have an issue to fix one don't do this <laughs> two let's go see the bank and get all this sorted out um, that's a very basic version of phishing. Someone yep. ringing up and saying, I'm from this company and your transaction didn't work. Can you give me your details again so I can put it through again? Yep. And you've now extracted personal information from someone. Uh, that can go a step further. If you think about these user IDs and passwords that are on the dark web, let's say that I go and buy a whole bunch of user IDs and passwords and they can be available for only a few cents each. Um, I can go and buy those and then start sending out, for example, a million emails to a million ad different addresses and passwords and saying, hello, I know who you are. Just to prove this, I know that your password is blur. I've noticed you've been doing naughty things on the internet because I've been looking at your web camera. Actually, I just got one of those the other day and A, it was an old password. That's yes. B, I don't do naughty things on the internet. So, so it was an old password. Okay. And um, <laughs> nah, I've, I've got to stop giving Scott this kind of information. I'm in all sorts of trouble. So, but, but if anyone has seen those sorts of emails, that's where this comes from. It is a, um, a an email designed to elicit fear, and thus that if it creates a situation, you will pay some Bitcoin or something to make the problem go away. The thing is, it's a fake email. It's a scam. Somebody is phishing you. They're using those materials, which are publicly available, such as your user ID and password to get you to do something and send the money. This is a big industry. There's a lot of money made this way. I, I must say, if, if you if you want to have a laugh at some of these things, there's a comedian called James Veach. And James has a bunch of YouTube videos. He's done a TED talk on how he scams the scammers. So there's, those are well worth watching for the laugh. Um, but this can be serious, right? I know a, um, a financial services organization that almost lost $21 million due to one of these scams. Hmm. We, we have had clients sending large material amounts of money to scammers. Wow. Wow. Just just totally frightening. So there's not just there's not just that. There's not just scamming. It's, it's the personal info. You know, there's lots of chat about identity theft. Is it yes. real? Does it really happen? Look, it, it, it's, it's been a bigger thing in the US just from the fact of the social security numbers and how easy it is to get credit approved um, over there historically. Um, in the last uh, sort of credit boom in the, the well, probably 15 odd years ago now, I actually saw this, uh, this thing about how a cat was given a credit card. Oh, that's awesome. Apparently a dead cat was given a vote-in mail form. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, th this is the problem that the, the credit, because it's become so readily available, was, was just being ticked by whoever and someone didn't want it, so they wrote their cat's name down, occupation cat, sent it back and look, an MX turned up. Anyway, so to, to, to pull it back together, the dark web's out there. It's probably got some of your personal information. It, it does. So the, the, the important thing is... 
if you go and check on one of these sites about what information about myself or my email addresses is out there and you get a list back, go and change the passwords on those sites as a, as a, as a starting point. The second thing is use multi-factor authentication. There are free authenticators out there. There's a Microsoft one. There's a Google one. Uh, WatchGuard do a more commercial one uh, targeted um, to link into enterprises and it links in quite well. Uh, but th there are a number of these around. Um, some of them are free and they will do the multi-factor authentication part for you and add that extra layer of security. And, and use different passwords everywhere, right? Use different passwords everywhere. Now you're going to think, how do I keep track of all of that? Uh, my standard passwords these days are 20 to 24 characters long. I do not type them. That would be crazy. But I use a tool called LastPass to store these. Yeah, I use my browser to store some of them because that now does a good job. It didn't used to. It yeah. now does a fairly good job. And to get to those passwords, I have to give it multi-factor authentication. So mm. that's behind things. So there are tools out there which, which do this. Um, there's a great, I, I don't know if you're a follower of XKCD, the online comic, but he does a really good article on password entropy oh. and, and the fact that using letter and number substitution and, and, and random characters like every government website in the world forces you to do actually makes a fairly crackable password. It's when you add five unrelated words like, um, I don't know, person, man, camera, TV or something that actually makes it a very difficult to break password. So I was just looking at the wine while you were saying that. Oh, go on. Talk to me about the wine a little bit more. <laughs> well, it's actually just been sitting there staring at me, and I thought, it's actually quite a nice drop. <laughs> it's, an, it's an Argentinian Malbec. It's absolutely awesome. Let's just, we'll do the wine same again. We're at the DY Hotel once again doing the wine down. And this is a bottle called, uh, from a place called the Argento. It's in uh, Mendoza in Argentina. It's a good wine-growing area of the world, good, good region. And they produce a, um, a, a lot of Melbeck and some other drops out of there. But um, this is quite good. Uh, again, a good solid pub wine, good for its uh, uniqueness in that we don't have a lot of this in Australia. So this is why it's becoming popular as an alternative to some of these Shirazes and Cab Sabs around. But uh, very, it's got some good character. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, I've got some news about the podcast. I, I thought I'd share some of that with you. Um, so we've just been approved to go onto Apple iTunes um, and get syndicated to a bunch of other places. So we've got enough subscribers to do that. So that's absolutely awesome. Wow, excellent. So if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, give us some comments about what you think. This has been The Wind Down. Remember, change your passwords, multi-factor authentication. Scott, any last words? No, not at this point. Have a lovely week, everyone. Excellent. You too. Thank you once again. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.